The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. Hello and welcome to the Circling the Bases podcast from NBC Sports Edge. Uh, you would normally be seeing or, or hearing my co-host DJ Short at this point on our live Thursday night show, but he is on vacation, I believe, at like the South Jersey Shore, and so we're going to get a little weird with this one. I'm Drew Silva, and joining me on this episode of what is oftentimes a fantasy baseball show, but sometimes not, is old, old friend and NHL goaltender, Ben Bishop. Uh, ben, what is up? I know you just flew into St. Louis, just landed like an hour ago, so I apologize for cutting into family time, but it's it's great to have you on, and I, I always love our, our random run-ins in the STL area. What's up, man? Oh, not much. Anything for you, Drew. Uh, you know that. And yeah, I was in Dallas this, uh, the last few days and then flew back today, so it all worked up, out well, even though it looks like there might be a tornado here coming here soon, but uh, we got in safely, and Nice to be on the show, and thanks for having me. I think I'll take it, man. It was so hot and humid today that sometimes a little a, a little downpour is is welcome in the St. Louis area with with the way this place is like a swamp. Um, I was going to ask you, what are some some good St. Louis food spots that you have to hit when you're home, or like just your favorites in general? Let's let's get me some free meals out of this. Is what I'm. Oh uh, well, you definitely got to go check out my. Pops place, Bishop's Post down in Chesterfield. Uh, that's that's the place to be right now. They just put a huge new back uh, patio on. It's probably the best patio in St. Louis. Uh, and then for me, also Grassi's right next to our old school, old stomping grounds. I stop into Grassi's every time I come home. I love it, man. Yeah. What what's your order there? Like meatball sub? I, their salad is very special. The salad. It's all good. Uh, love Grassi's as well, and, it, and it's down the street, so it's easy to pick up for lunch. And if you haven't been there, you gotta check it out. I have seen pictures of that new patio at Bishop's Post. It looks like a like a zoo or something. Like it's yeah, incredible, it's unbelievable. And I think the bar just got finished a couple of days ago. So I know my dad was super pumped about it, and uh, I got to see it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it was pretty cool. We were in there a few weeks ago, and Chris Berman was in town and saw Chris Berman up at the restaurant. So. That was pretty neat to uh, talk to him, and you know that guy is—he's just a man. Yeah, he's an all-timer. That's great. I—I I, I missed him on the—I uh, don't know if you watched the home run home derby. Run derby yeah. I mean, I—I I think people. Oh, yeah. I knew I had a feeling that Shohei was not going to sh- show up. <laughs> Too much pressure. Well, and and they put him against Juan Soto too, which was kind of I feel like unfair. Like if you. 
you really kind of got to rig the seedings to like get Shohei into the at least the semifinals or something to put him against maybe the best hitter in all of baseball was was problematic. I, I feel like. But I called the winner. I was watching the batting practice on the ESPN early, and they were showing all the guys like you know they're just doing the pregame coverage. Alonzo just hits bombs. Yeah, he, he loves it, and you could tell, man. He was like so in the mood to do the home run derby and. There was some hilarious uh, like note that was going around on Twitter that night where Pete Alonso, because he won the last one in 2019, they didn't have it last year, and then he won it this year. So he's made two million dollars in home run derby winnings and like 1.74 million from salaries from the Mets since he's been up. So it's yeah. like he should just keep doing it, man. Until he he said he, he, said he would do it every year, <laughs> but in batting practice because I was watching it because I was. I was just down in Dallas, like by myself. My wife and kids were here, so I was just lounging on the couch the whole entire day. So I watched like two hours leading up to the the derby, and they were showing their batting practice. And he was like, everybody else was kind of like hitting whatnot, and he was hitting like bombs the entire his like three minute batting practice. And I'm like, this guy is gonna win. Laser focused. I also think uh, Dave Jouse was the guy throwing to Pete Alonso and. It was like perfect right where he wants it. And then the guy that was thrown to Otani, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but like he had like some tail on his ball. Yeah, no, the like, pitcher makes a big difference in that. It makes a huge difference. And I think Alonzo and that, that guy, Dave Jouse, have some chemistry. Um, Chris Crawford, who you met before we hopped on, um, he has another show on our network um, where he would do this running bit where he asked each of his guests their thoughts on St. Louis style pizza. And then, he had me on like 12 episodes in to kind of put a bow on that bit. I tried to eat an entire large emos on like the 30 to 45 minute show. And I, I like broke down the history of St. Louis style pizza. Cause everyone was crapping on it, which I get it's like an acquired taste and pizza shouldn't be an acquired taste. And, um, but I was explaining to him, there's like 300 different places that do St. Louis style pizza in this area. It's like a real part of the, st louis economy it, that, that episode is still up on youtube if anyone wants to, to check that out it was kind of gross if i'm being honest like Did you finish it no i didn't finish the whole thing because he kept asking me baseball questions so i had to like stop chewing i used to like go back from middle school and like order an emo's pizza with like the change like in my closet like <laughs> pay the guy and change like <laughs> sorry here's seven dollars change for a small emo's pizza Dude, I've done the exact same thing where you just kind of, or like you get it delivered. Like when I was in like third grade, you get it delivered and you just leave a pile, like a bag of change on <laughs> front porch. So you don't even have to talk to the delivery guy face to face. Leave here, please. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it was, it was before uh, no contact delivery. We were revolutionaries. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it was kind of gross trying to eat a, a whole St. Louis style pizza. And it was really hot that day. It was like during the, the June heat wave here. So I was like sweating profusely and um, in our guest bedroom here, which doesn't have great AC and scarfing down a whole pizza. So maybe people shouldn't watch it, but um, if people are interested in, in St. Louis style pizza and, and what it's all about, I guess you can tune in. But so he's the host of that show and he, he got us started here tonight and he would be so mad at me if I didn't ask about this um, Seattle based guy. And I know it's a, a touchy subject because a lot of players are going to be changing teams here soon at the expansion draft. But just in general, do you think the Seattle Kraken can like have some success right away? Like the, the Vegas Golden Knights did. I, I don't know. I wouldn't put them at that level, but 
and I don't know all the ins and outs of like the expansion draft and how they've loosened it up, but it seems like the NHL has catered it uh, so that new teams that aren't immediately horrible can actually feel like a competitive or in the Knights case, like a very competitive roster. Do you think they can be competitive right away? I think they will be. I think uh, you look at Vegas when they came in and nobody even gave them a chance, right? They yeah. were supposed to be the worst team in the league. And, uh, and they made the finals that year. And it's because they get, there's a lot of good NHL players, just like in baseball that don't have the opportunity to play at, you know, I guess in baseball it'd be every night, but in hockey, the top line, mm-hmm. line, sometimes you're stuck on the third and fourth lines. And then you get one team that brings you up and gives you an opportunity. These guys are hungry as ever. And, you know, they're good enough to play on the first line. So then they have that opportunity and, you know, the parody in the NHL is so good. And if you just look this year because of the pandemic, you know, the, the cap is frozen. So it's not going to – the cap's not going to go up. So a lot of teams are kind of cap strapped. Like they, they can't go to free agency and pay guys because they don't have any money to pay guys. So and you look at a Seattle and they have zero, $0 on the books. So they can spend, you know, up to $80 million, 81 to, I don't know exactly what the number is going to be. But, you know, they have $81 million to spend where you look at other teams and they only have $10 million to spend so they can go after. And the free agent class is, you know, pretty good this year. And, and then they get to pick somebody from every team as well. So I think they'll be competitive right off the bat. I don't think they're going to be a bottom feeder at all. Um, if anything, people that go there are going to have that same vibe that Vegas, like Vegas did it. Why don't we do it? Yeah. So anybody that goes there, they're going to think, you know, we're going to be a good team. So, I think they'll be good right out of the bat. Yeah, that clean slate, like salary cap wise, makes a lot of sense. You can build a team from the ground up. You can grab a few, like players that might be on bad contracts or for for one team. But for you, it's not a bad contract. It, it starts to make a lot of sense for your roster, and then you get, yeah, the energy of just getting all these guys together that are hungry and are like, hey, I, I got something to the prove. That's the no, yeah. you know, the people that left us exposed or. I mean, that's not really the case because a lot of players have like the no move clauses and whatnot. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, you kind of have that us against the league, you know, nobody, you know, even though obviously people want them, but you all come together and usually you start fresh. So there's no hierarchy of, you know, anything. It's yeah. all fresh and it's your team and you get to make it the way you want to do it. So um, I think they'll be good. That'll be a cool city to visit too. Uh, are they in the Western Conference? I, I don't even know. I should yeah, they're going to the West, and I believe, don't quote me, but I think Arizona is moving to the Central with St. Louis, Dallas, Nashville, Colorado, Minnesota, Chicago, Winnipeg. I was going to get into this later, but like, what are your some of your favorite road cities in the NHL? I know you're like a family man now, and there's also COVID. Um, so probably not hitting up the nightlife as much as like you might have in your early days, but for like just food or general scenery, like where's the best place to travel in the NHL? Let's say, let's say pre pandemic. Yeah, no, definitely pre pandemic. But I think for us, it's a little different because compared to baseball, you know, they get to go there, they stay for three days, you know, they get to actually go out, but normally we're in and out. So it's hard to experience, you know, everything. But I always say I think the coolest cities, you know, it's fun to go to New York because there's just so many good things, so many good restaurants, so many things to do. You could walk. Um, Chicago is a great city, but I think Chicago is more of a summer city. So normally when we're going there, it's not 
you know, as, yeah, right. as it is in the summer. But and then you got to you just kind of appreciate, you know, Montreal is a cool city. So I would say New York, Montreal, obviously Vegas is Vegas now. So that's not a bad place. Uh, L.A. can be fun. You know, there's if you have a you know day off there, you can go, you know, explore and whatnot. So it just kind of depends what your schedule is. But I still think New York's probably one of my favorite. If I have a day off in New York or yet, you know, sometimes you get to play the Rangers in Jersey or, you know, Islanders kind of back to back to back. So you have a couple days. There's just there's so much to do there. And you can, you know, go to have a game, you know, yeah. most cities after a game, places are closed. In New York, you'll play a game and go out to dinner at 1130. And it's not a big deal. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I, I did a trip several years ago with some friends, some of whom you may know, like to New York. We had a buddy that was living up there after college, and we hit New Jersey, uh, Madison Square Garden, uh, and then Nassau Coliseum on Long Island, just following the Blues. Like they played a three team uh, trip there. And man, like Nassau Coliseum reminded me of have you played there? Yes, I have. Yeah, it reminded me of like Queenie Park. <laughs> like, <laughs> I haven't actually seen it. When was that? Because I haven't seen it since they redid it. I haven't. It wasn't. It was before then. So yeah, it was like four or five years ago. I think it was a year before they moved to Brooklyn for a bit. Because I remember the, yeah. the the like legit Islanders fans we were sitting next to were like they all were so mad about it, um, but they were like salt of the earth people. Like we were, you know we were on day three of the trip, like probably being belligerent idiots. And I, I like apologized to the guy cause he had two of his kids next to him. And he's like, nah, nah man, I love it. I love this. <laughs> yeah, but other places they would say, get out of here. Yeah. Right. They would like kick you out. They would call the usher, but there it's, yeah, it's like Queenie park for people that don't know, which is probably everybody. It's like a place where youth and high school hockey is played here in, in St. Louis. So it's, yeah, it's a larger high school youth hockey place, but um, I, I don't know. I love that you had to like go outside to like use a porta potty if you had to go to the bathroom. It was for it some, was, yeah. yeah, I would say it wasn't. And I would the locker room, like the facilities for the away team. You know, they redid it since, but I mean, it was like a closet. It was kind of gross, but I mean, that's kind of what added to the character. It was fun to go there and play, but. Definitely wasn't my you know favorite place to go to, but they're gonna they got a new rink coming next year, which is gonna be pretty cool. Yeah, in a, a cool place to go like once, but then then the probably yeah. the charm wears off. New York, New York. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I was gonna ask you about your favorite baseball stadiums that you visited, but now that I, I think of it, like are all, are all hockey arenas like pretty similar? We talked about Nassau, and that was just one that was kind of behind the times and in a weird in a real estate battle, but do you have like favorite arenas? And I guess from a goalie's perspective, like are there different backdrops, different lighting locker rooms you talked about? Because like as a viewer, you know, they just all kind of look similar on television and there's a standard of what those arenas are generally built like, you know, surrounding a specifically measured surface of ice or like a basketball court. So let's start there. Are, are there like certain hockey arenas that you really like? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a easy Easy, yes, and every every arena is the, obviously the same, you know, dimensions and whatnot. But they all have different lighting, mm -hmm. which is kind of a weird thing. But after you play there multiple times and different places, the locker rooms are all different. Everything's different. Every single arena is different, except for the ice and the locker rooms. Whatever you get used to, you know, some are nice, some are bad. But 
you don't really care about the locker room once you're playing. But there's a lot of different rinks that have different lighting and different backdrops, like you were saying, that make it a lot different from one place to the other. And, you know, like you go to like Madison Square, Gar- Madison Square Garden, they have all the lights just like are on the ice. And then kind of the stands are dark in the back. Yeah. It's kind of like a Broadway type deal. How mm-hmm. they just have more lights. And then same in LA, it's kind of that same feel. And then, you know, like in St. Louis, it's, it's very bright. Yeah. Right. They just got new lights. I know. To go, I think maybe the year, the year the before cup. the pandemic, because uh, I remember they won the cup or what, before they won the cup, they got all new lighting. Yep. And so I'd obviously played in that arena quite a few times. And I remember when I came back the first time, you're like, whoa, it's like a whole, they didn't do anything. It's the same thing, but they painted it and got new lights. And it's like a completely different place. I but remember, yeah. My favorite, my by far my favorite place is New York, you know, Madison Square Garden. That's, it's got all the history behind it. And it's, you know, they're rowdy and rude and just, you know, <laughs> they got everybody in between. The celebrities are there. It's, it's a fun place to play. Montreal is a cool spot. Um, and then I think, you know, Nashville, that's a real, I don't know if you've been to Nashville. Oh yeah, man. I love Nashville. Dark feel. And it's kind of like a tin can. It's a lot different. I would say it's probably the most unique building in the NHL as far as the way that that place feels. Yeah. It gets loud and it's like right up there at the, the top of Broadway. I love Nashville and I know that city's really blown up. I haven't been there in probably four or five years, but I liked Nashville before it was cool to like Nashville. Right, yeah, it's crazy. I heard, <laughs> I've heard, had some friends that have gone there recently, and they said it's insane right now. Yeah, I mean, God, even last time I was down there, there were like twenty cranes in the air just building. Um, but I, that's good. Baseball team there. I they hey, would man. have a good home record, or they they would have a really good home record. <laughs> the way these would not do. Too <laughs> yeah, especially like you said, when in, in baseball road trips where you're staying there for three nights, like you'll pick a night to go out, you know, as, as a young 20 year old baseball player or, or all nights to go out. Uh, what about expansion in baseball? Would they, what, 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 cause obviously we've had two in the NHL, NHL in the last five years. Like, what do you think of their? I think it's definitely coming. Um, there's a debate whether like maybe they'll move the Rays uh, and, and have that like the Rays to Montreal the Rays not, not too long ago. We're talking about like playing half of their games in Montreal and that That's- got, Okay. I heard that, and it's like there's no way the PA would allow that because people have families, yes. people have kids in school and whatnot. You can't say that we're going to pull our kids out of school. I mean, I know it's summer, but there's still families involved. You can't – there's border involved. That, that was the most – I think that was the owner in Tampa just trying to stir the pot. Yes, I know. And I, I know you've, you've made friends with some guys that were on the Rays or are still currently on the Rays and – yeah, I feel bad for them, um, but I think Nashville will happen. Like Dave Dombrowski, who's you know he ran the Red Sox and he runs the Phillies now, I believe. Um, he was running the baseball to Nashville project for a while, and so there's like real momentum and real baseball people that are like behind that. Uh, Nashville, Portland, Vegas, and Montreal are like all. I would say those are the top four cities where it might happen, and maybe two of them are relocations, which. I hate. I, I heard that like Tampa was either going to like Charlotte or Vegas, and that's like not by anybody that's just rumored in Tampa. When I was, yeah, we got to wait till like 2028 to get out of the lease, and then maybe he's going to go to Vegas, and it's going to like the Rams. He's going to do the St. Louis Rams 
thing to the the Rays. Yeah, I, I mean, and, and I yeah, as, as a Rams fan, I, I like feel for any kind of relocation talk because I know the Rays don't necessarily like draw real well, but and I've never been down there, but I hear like you know the stadium's hard to get to, especially at rush hour. That's a an area that is totally blown up too, and they kind of put the stadium in a weird spot. And also, like if you're just online as much as I am, especially the Rays fan base is incredibly intelligent and passionate. It's just that they don't have a lot of people that come to their games. So I would feel so bad for them if if that, that team got moved. But it's a that arena is like going to like the old arena. <laughs> yeah. And it feels like a hockey stadium. It's it's unique. It's it's you know, it's so different than any other baseball stadium I've ever been to. And it's in St. Pete and St. Pete's blowing up and St. Pete's a great, you know, my wife's from St. Pete. Love it. Yeah. Like, but if it was downtown Tampa where they're talking about, you know, I think it could be more successful, but I know, you know, St. Pete deserves it because it's been there, but it's, it needs some work. That's for sure. Yeah. I feel bad for that. And even like in Miami too, it's just weird how baseball hasn't really taken off. And the, the trap was just built at a horrible time where like they weren't necessarily, I don't know, like Camden Yards comes along and then there's like there's like the reverse modern retro and they tried to do something different and it was just like a, a bad time for that stadium to be built. And even like Marlins Park, I've never been there. Have you been there? I've been there now. Yeah, but I, like even that stadium, it looks kind of dead, at least from television. And I, they just don't really draw well. I don't know what – I don't know why Florida baseball doesn't work. It's the hotbed of amateur baseball talent in this country, like that in California. Um so I don't know. They they just have to put good teams on the field, and the Rays have. But I don't know. Let's let's get off depressing topics. Well, I think the two just yeah. go to a game. There's a difference between going to like an outdoor game and like an indoor game for baseball. Absolutely. You feel like it's kind of the same with football, but you know, football's eight times a year if you're at home, so you can get over it if it's indoor. But there's something about going to an outdoor baseball game and an indoor baseball game. The outdoor game just just feels more like baseball personally. Sure. When I go to a baseball game, I'm like, you know, kind of barely paying attention to, I'm like enjoying being outside and like talking to my friends and like eating right. peanuts and throwing them on the ground and drinking a bunch of beer. You can drink. Yeah. As many <laughs> All right. I got to, I got to get in a promo read before we continue. I don't want to hold you too long. Um, use promo code bases 10 for 10% off any premium subscription for NBC sports edge. Plus it can be either monthly or annual. And for any tier, not only do you get access to the baseball season tools, but your subscription also covers NBA, NHL, and NFL content. So it's a great value and can help you if you play just baseball or if you have your hand at all sports. So remember, it's promo code BASES10. You can go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash premium to get started. And tune in this weekend for the 149th Open Championship, the British Open once again, America will begin their day watching the best golfers in the world compete on the rugged shores of the North Sea at Royal St. George's Golf Club in England, the Open Championship Thursday through Sunday on NBC, Golf Channel, and Peacock. And, man, I loved waking up. I woke up a little early this morning because I like went to bed real early and just throwing on Peacock and watching the British Open at, like, 4 a.m. was was awesome. Same thing, but I wasn't up at four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't recommend it. I'm I'm a bad sleeper. Um, I I told you that we weren't gonna talk much hockey, but we kind of have. Um, I don't know, it's all fine. I, I just wanted to know how you're feeling in in general. I know the last year or so has probably been 
very frustrating, a lot of like rehab and not so much ice time following that knee injury. Like what's the physical status for you here in mid-July, I guess a few months out from training camp? Yeah, it's good. I just started skating again. That's why I'm going back and forth to Dallas and come back here on the weekends and be with the family and whatnot. But so I just started skating again and it started to feel, you know, better. Obviously, you know, it was a tough year. Anytime you go through, you know, I've been playing hockey since my whole life and, you know, competitively since 18. So this is the first season I've missed and, you know, whatever you do the math and uh, it, it was a different, different time. And obviously I think the only thing that made it help a little bit better was the COVID protocols and it being just a little bit of a weird season. Didn't feel as terrible, but obviously, you know, watching the playoffs and then as in Dallas, we started getting more fans. It was, you know, it's not fun to sit there and watch, but the rehab's going good. Uh, I just got back on the ice, starting to slowly get back into it and, you know, hopefully be, be hopefully be ready for the season. That's good news, man. And I know there's like a lot more of your story to be written in the NHL. When, when you're healthy and at your best, you're one of the toughest goalies to get a, a puck by in the league. And I'm not just saying that as a friend, I'm, I'm mostly saying it as a Blues fan, like that yeah. that series against the Stars in 2019 when the Blues were on their cup run was just a blast. I think I went to every home game trying to heckle you up close. I don't know if you could hear me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the great tickets, NBC. But, yeah, you had that, like, 52 uh, save performance. That was in game seven, wasn't it? It was, yeah. No, I mean, no, to bring it up. <laughs> you guys come over and you heckle during the regular season. And I remember when I was with the Blues and I'd have Jordy Thompson <laughs> coming down, screaming at me. And I'm like sitting there like, please don't get in trouble. Please don't get in trouble. <laughs> God. Jordy still texts me like every day. He's the best. Um, all right, I, I know you t- you played a ton of sports growing up. And if, if my memory's correct, I guess I should tell people we – like went to middle school and then high school together, but you were like on our, the football team in like seventh or eighth grade at one point, or at least for like practices. I did middle school football, but I was normally out of town on the weekends for hockey. So I only got to play in two games over two years, but I practiced, I think I came to practice every day. Yeah, I, I think so too. And I, you were like quarterback, weren't you? I was like the backup, backup quarterback. <laughs> I not play every game. <laughs> I was there. I was only there twice. Yeah, I, I remember you like had made the decision to focus like solely on on hockey at that point, and I don't know. We were like 13, 14 years old. I was like, why? And then all of a sudden, Ben leaves school in, like junior, sophomore, junior year, and all of a sudden becomes an NHL goaltender. So I'm I'm, I'm proud of you. But I, I've seen you uh, videos of you hitting bombs during batting practice when like various MLB teams have invited you guys. To, into hit like in, in Tampa and, and Arlington, I think was the video that I saw. And maybe, yeah, no, so, I got yeah. lucky enough to, I did St. Louis through the push stadium and hit a couple home runs there. And then I got to do it in Tampa a couple times. And then I've done it in uh, Arlington twice at the old stadium. I'm, you know, we're waiting to get the invite to the new one here, mm-hmm. but it's kind of screwing it up. So yeah, no, it's I'm kind of, you know, kind of learned how I, how I have to get it out, but I've had some success. I had a couple in St. Louis, which is obviously probably the coolest. And then Tampa I had a good run there. And then in, uh, in Texas, I think I got five, one batting practice, which was nice. Even uh-huh. though it's a hard, it's hard to go, you know, out in uh, Arlington, but the, the lefties in Arlington 
Apparently at the old ballpark, there was like a wind draft. So the lefties, that's why they kill it there. I mean, that's pretty impressive, dude. Like I was watching Kevin Millar, um, you know, like he hosts intentional talk on MLB Network and he couldn't hit one out of Coors Field. Granted, he's like 50 something years old now, but did you play a lot of baseball growing up? Yeah, I played baseball all the way to freshman year uh, in high school and tried out for the baseball team and then kind of realized that I wouldn't be able to play baseball to the, you know, that's freshman year of high school is when I just focused on hockey. So with the tryouts, did all that, and then that was kind of it. That was when I stopped, but always had a love for it. Uh, my teammate down in Dallas, Jamie Ben, he is an excellent baseball player. Some people say that he could have maybe been a pro baseball player if he didn't play hockey. And when I hit batting practice with him, he hit like 15 home runs. Really? Ridiculous. Just raking. The, the coach was like, we might have to sign this guy up. Man, what does Jamie Ben not do well? That's not yeah, fair. No, he is, he can throw it. was hilarious during the, the the COVID break. You know, he bought like a radar gun and like a net, chucking <laughs> balls like eighty miles an hour into the net. <laughs> he hasn't thrown a baseball in like five years. He's and, just hitting mid eighties all of a sudden. Yeah, he, he's an unbelievable athlete, and he loved baseball and. His pops always said he would have been a pro baseball player if he didn't do hockey, but he's done hockey pretty good. So, yeah, you like think he hit like 15 or 16, 17 home runs at batting practice when we went to in Arlington, and like probably out of 40 balls, 17 home runs. Dude, that's no joke, man. I, I could see it with him. He's got like an amazing like body control and just natural athleticism. It's like always making the right play. Me too, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you ever pitch? I feel like with how tall are you? Like six eight? Six seven, but no, I was always catcher, kind of catcher, third Ooh. base, first base. That was kind of my kind of played the triangle there. I played catcher. That's to me, that's the best position in baseball because you're like in every play. And baseball can be 100%. a little boring, you know. I guess goalie's a little bit like that. Yeah, that's kind of I think that's why I was the catcher. Uh but yeah, especially when you're playing, you know, little leagues and you know, not little leagues, but you know amateur you know ball whatever when the ball's not getting hit every single time and so it's fun to be the catcher and you know i was like all i wanted to somebody try to steal on me and then i would just like rip it into center field <laughs> yeah 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 um you were in like some uh, a fantasy baseball league I, I was looking back at our past messages like with some other nhl players i think a few blues a few years back you guys still doing yeah, that or i know it was the dallas or it was uh tampa yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, Drew Silva, you you hooked me up that year. We had a we had a really good year. And then we made a deep run. I relied on you heavily, and then I passed your number to a lot of boys. I think, and then guys around the league started texting you for fantasy advice. I tell them they just have to like tweet that that I'm the guy to follow. For, for that's how I got like twenty thousand Twitter followers. It wasn't because of, of anything that I did. It's just NHL players like tweeting about it. <laughs> we had a good year. I think I lost like in the semis or whatnot. That was when I, I picked up uh, Trevor Story when he was like a rookie, and he ended up. That's when he had, and then he's in the All Star game this year. Yep, he combined that like Coors Field effect with a little power and speed, and yeah, he's probably going to get traded here over the next few weeks. So I, I wonder how he's going to do outside of Coors, but he's he's a superstar shortstop and going to be a free agent uh, this winter. I, I don't want to keep you too much longer. I should bring up Pat Maroon before we go fresh off winning his third Stanley Cup. I'd assume you know Pat 
pretty well and, and like golf with him tomorrow so you can hear all the stories <laughs> <laughs> you, you poor guy i i had a i had a chance to hang out with him like uh last october with like louis vangle and andy chissy and like they were like they texted me like hey we're out with pat at uh, uh some bar in clayton and i was like oh i'm coming and then we, <laughs> we, we turned that into a whole night i i can tell you that Pat's a better drinker than I am, and I used to be a pretty good drinker. Well, he's won three cups. That's all you have to do is just celebrate and drink. So he's been celebrating for the last three summers. So he's got a he's got a good tolerance. He's a great man. I, I really enjoyed hanging out. You're a great man too, man, and and I I really appreciate you joining us. It was great to catch up. Um, that'll do it for this week's Thursday night episode of the Circling the Bases podcast. Thanks for tuning in again. Thank you, Ben for joining rate review the show wherever you get your podcasts any feedback is welcome follow us on twitter i'm at drew sill ben is at ben bishop 30 um and yeah and peace out and thanks again man really appreciate you joining us anytime peace see you guys the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well so set a limit when you gamble and stick to it want more helpful tips like this go to keepitfunohio.com for games quizzes and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand life is a highway and on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.